today solo because if you've been following along, Alex has had vehicle trouble. Uh, and she was excited to talk about something that we probably would have spent um, a large chunk of time on the podcast here today. So I'll give you my thoughts. They're not unfamiliar. Um, unfortunately, again, I have to bring it up because of a tragic incident. And then Alex will share her thoughts with uh, you tomorrow when we get her back on. Doing some things are changing. You won't necessarily notice other than maybe you get the podcast. Uh, you shouldn't notice anything. Um, but uh, you might notice some positive changes on the on-air show. We'll see. We're going to experiment. Um, before we get started, there are uh, I have a couple of things. Uh, selections, entries in my notes in my phone. God, it's one of the things I hope I, like, I can lose the phone numbers. I don't ever want to lose these. Thankfully, we don't really, oh, there is breaking news. As soon as I signed onto my computer, I see that Rihanna is pregnant. Singer and fashion icon, well, maybe former singer, retired singer, fashion icon, expecting first baby with ASAP Rocky as she stepped out in New York City over the weekend. Something, I mean, congratulations to her. Um, she has become a different entity than, remember uh, on the air a couple weeks ago, we did the 10-year challenge on Q105 with a lot of songs from 2012. It was maybe Rihanna's peak, and there have been very few big hits and albums since... 2015, 2016, she's focused on other parts of her life. So congratulations in the family aspect of it. Um, I would love, I, I prefer her over most other female artists. Artists, if you if you were to ask me, her Beyonce to me, Rihanna all the way. Uh, but I will never, I'll never be so selfish to say I want music. You can't have a family and explore these other interests. Absolutely not, especially with the dozens. Yeah, I'm safe saying that dozens of hits she's given us. Um, so I have a couple of notes in my uh, in my phone. Uh, one is labeled philosophy, and the other one is I'm not sure. I think I'll I don't need to look it up. But there's two that are very important. They're somewhat similar, but yet different. Uh, under the philosophy, there's a lot of helpful wisdom and quotes, things I've tracked for maybe over a decade now. That's why I don't want to lose this stuff. I should email it myself. I should email it to myself. One of those things that I learned, I don't know, 2008, 2009, or 10, when I started to keep track of these things that inspired me, one was um, chase two rabbits, catch none. It's about focus. Another one from around that time was about adversity. And we have long heard adversity. Adversity is how you build character. This maxim, tenet, whatever you want to call it, said adversity doesn't build character, it reveals it. That's true. I told you a couple of weeks ago, I finished up a book by Julie Galliff, The Scout Mindset, and it it was not real thought-provoking to me in the sense of like, oh, wow, aha. It was, hmm, okay, I'm on the right path. And some reminders, some helpful reminders. Um, you should always, when you get new information, and I'm going to sum it up for you, you should always seek out new information or be open to it. And be willing to change your mind. Um, for instance, if sometime in the middle of this NFL season, you're like, boy, the Rams look good, but I don't think they're Super Bowl worthy. Keep watching. Keep allowing more information to happen. More evidence. And for the second year in a row, we have a home team, 
hosting the Super Bowl. Tampa Bay last year with a minimal crowd. L.A., which doesn't really have a home field advantage. And the Rams and former Lion Matthew Stafford and an Ohio team. And as Brady walks away, the person to actually fill his shoes might be Joe Burrow. That's probably enough for Super Bowl and football stuff. So, um, I'm cha- in accordance with the scout mindset, I'm going to change that long-held tenant quote that, that I've always referred back to. Um, adversity can build character, but it definitely reveals it. Okay? So I'm changing from adversity doesn't build character, it reveals it. To adversity can build character, but it definitely reveals it. And we have seen over the last, as we approach the second birthday of COVID and the third year of COVID, in this vice, in this crucible of the pandemic, we have, as I've said many times, um, this has been nothing but adversity. And we have seen talented people become more talented and more successful. We have seen people who struggle and maybe just barely get by fall behind because the crucible of the pandemic has exposed and exacerbated their weaknesses, but done the same for people's strengths. I hope I'm in the latter in that. So, um, before we get to uh, that sad topic, we've got the Rihanna stuff out of the way. Uh, uh, A big, big shout out to someone who I got my good, some of my very good friends are very close to this woman. They call her mom. I call her that sometimes, but I'm closer in age to her than my friends are. Um, it was, let's see, the summer of 2016. I think it was the second TMA block party that I was fortunate enough to attend. And that's a great time. It's a great time. Like, I know we have a couple, maybe maybe 15,000 people downtown for Komen and opening day. There are lots of thousands of people out for that TMA block party where Monroe in front of the museum is blocked off. There's food trucks, there's games, there's art exhibitions. One year I had met, um, did I know anybody that worked at the time? I don't think so, but I met a Candace Harrison who I think did their marketing. I also met an Adam Levine who was, I guess, in the marketing department. Adam left to go down to Jacksonville to the Humor Cummer Museum. Adam's now back as the executive director of TMA. Candace is long gone. She now works as a, like a media car, a media relations person for TPS. She's been there for quite some time, and she has a marketing gig, uh, marketing side hustle that she does. So in and, and Candace was great. I met her husband and her kids. We were talking Jordans and all this stuff. So when June 6th or whatever the day was of 2017, when my job went away, I made a list of people that I wanted to connect with, who I thought um, could help me or I could help them. Candace was on that list. Um, in July, my friend Dennis Sawan asked me to, I don't want to say bartend. He's like, hey, can you pour, dispense beer at a party? Uh, Dennis, what, what was there? Something 419. Um, downtown 419, Dennis and, and Danny Woodcock and others um, were putting together some social events. And this was a party on the roof of the, the roof deck of the library. And I was like, hell yeah. You know, like I had free time, no pressure of work, could meet some people. And uh, I'm pouring beer and this woman comes up and I'm like, you look familiar. She's like, you look familiar. I'm like, I'm like, what do you do? And I think at the time she still worked at, at TMA. I'm like, son of a gun. I have been wanting, it was Candace. I have been wanting to track you down so I could tell you about 
where I am. And Candace invited me to lunch a couple of weeks later. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She was still at TMA. She invited me to lunch a couple of weeks later. I got to experience that, one, the food at the TMA Cafe is good. And that some like older people will go in there and sling alcohol around lunchtime. Um, and Candace was so warm and welcoming and, and helpful. And then I could see, as I made all these other friends who are now dear friends to me and that they called her mom, like it was all, it was all working out. Serendipitous that evening uh, atop the library. Candace is now, I believe, the first ever woman, uh, perhaps the first ever African-American, first uh, black person, definitely the first woman to lead the Toledo Press Club. That is a prestigious honor. I don't know exactly every detail of it, but I know that when um, people like Sean, Sean Haggerty win a Toledo Press Club, a Press Club Award, it is a high honor. So I'm excited for uh, a person I know well, a person I think pretty highly of, and a mom to some of my dear friends is in such a great position. Uh, congratulations to Candace. Okay, now to the... I've been saying morbid lately. I'm going back to another word. We'll call it macabre. Um, so I saw the story yesterday uh, about Miss USA. Let me just pull this up so I have some details. Chelsea Christ, Chesley Christ. Um, I, I had I had seen the story. I didn't think much of it. But Alex texted me this morning. And I'll keep this quick so you can I can leave this much to her. Um, I didn't see the part that Alex had so emotionally and energetically texted me about this morning, why she was so excited to, to, to bring it up on the podcast. And I looked at the story. I, I didn't know how, how this woman died. Like, obviously she's, what, uh, 30 years old. Nobody 30 years old should die. Like, like Bob Saget, no one in that age should, should die as we await the results of that autopsy. Um, I am highly intrigued. Um, This revered woman who meant so much to so many people, um, but like so many others, myself included, had demons that we didn't see. And uh, Alex told me that she took her life. And then then I think I looked up the story. I'm like, oh, oh God. And, And I am not... It doesn't shake me at all when someone takes their life because I've... Invested so much of my... I've thought about it, obviously, thousands of times. I've never done it. Um, But suicidal ideations in me are well acquainted. Um, But I know that this is is a thing. And I'll I'll kind of ease my comments that you're familiar with, with this. We are never... I, I mean, I think one day, maybe before we're dead, we'll cure cancer. We're never... I don't think we're ever going to be able to cure... Stop or completely prevent suicide. I have more faith that we will end cancer than we will suicide. Cancer seems we have more scientific details about how to fight and defeat rather than the spotty nature of our brains. Um, I saw that uh, she jumped from her building. Um, she jumped from the 29th floor of the 60 story of the 60 story Orion condominium building. So now I move to the part where I hope what I said a couple of minutes ago has set the groundwork. If you're unfamiliar with this, I, w- I almost put trigger warning on the Facebook posts. That's the phrase that people use. I'll say 
Uh, this is this could be upsetting. Upsetting has always been a great word. We never needed to replace it with triggering. Um, I've said this before, and uh, the only positive thing, and it's a stretch to say, is perhaps her pain and the demons. Perhaps the, her pain is over, and the demons she was fighting, their lives are over as well, and she's in a happier place right now. And as I have said since I did my first TED Talk and started speaking about mental health, when you take your own life, and I learned this a long, long time ago, and it's the foundational rule as to why I, I've i never gone through with an active attempted suicide. When you end your life, the collateral, emotional, and psychological pain that you cause others is immeasurable. If I took my life, um, and I'll go the other way with this, every moment I think about me not being here anymore, how would I do it? I think about my dad and how and how much he's helped me for seven decades. Well, four decades. <laughs> I haven't been around for all of his years. Um, and how, granted, he has far fewer years left on this planet than, um, than I do and than he has lived. But I couldn't bring, even if he was terminally ill, which thankfully he's not. And so what he tells me and my brother as well, he's in Good health for someone who's going to be 73 years old. He's just got to fix his bowling game, though. Although he did average 199 a couple weeks ago. <laughs> and then 160 last week, and I gave him hell for it. My dad likes to bowl. He doesn't wear the dumb shirts, though. Uh, sorry, the uncool, unhip shirts. I think if I ever go, if I have ever gone through with any of those attempts, how much pain I would cause my dad. And I hope to God my brother and his family with Tracy and Phoenix and... You know, I have two uncles. I certainly know that my friends like Alex and Bethany and Ashley and other Alex and so many others and people who I don't know who look to me to motivate them or those they love to help themselves with their mental health. I may never feel good, but I can get away. I know I can push myself out, pull myself up from feeling bad. So again, that's what's kept me from taking my own life. Um... The one thing I wanted to get to with this is, and you've heard me say it before, if you're going to take your life, and I hope you don't, I don't want you to, and I'm not going to beat you up with, reach out to me, suicide prevention hotline, text hope to, was it 411 here in Ohio? You you know the resources. If you're listening to this show, you're well aware of the resources. Um, and I, the, the way I stop you is by saying, unless I am the only person in your life that you have any kind of connection to, um, which is untrue. Don't do it. Just don't, because people will miss you. Even if you don't think you have any of those connections, trust me, trust me, trust me, trust me. The depression is telling you otherwise, but you absolutely do have those connections. But if you're at the brink, if you're at the precipice, and me nor nothing can stop you, please don't do what this woman did. As I told you before, um, the pain that the loved ones and friends will feel from your loss is obviously immeasurable. When someone sees you in your life, can you imagine this? So she jumped off of her. Let me get the exact, the, the, the gory details of this. Authorities say she died Sunday after jumping, jumping from the 60-story building, 350 West 42nd Street, around 7.15 local time. It was 
probably light out then. She reportedly lived on the ninth floor of the Orion building and was last seen on the 29th floor terrace. Um, the point here, to sum this all up, if you take your life, please don't do it publicly like this. Because obviously, as I've said over and over and over again, this woman was beloved by hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of people who she didn't even know, but they knew her and they meant, and she meant something to them. Now there were innocent bystanders who, bystanders who had to watch her fall, had to discover her body and put two and two together. And that's, that is a, that is a deep emotional dagger that is going to cause a heavy scar that could, that could potentially lead to other grave and macabre endings. Could you, do you remember? I don't, I've never even looked it up. It may have been scrubbed for the internet, scrubbed from the internet. I think it's true. I don't know if the pictures were true. Um, you remember during 9-11, there was this thing that like people were jumping out of the buildings and there's some pretty grim and stark pictures of you see people upside down, head first, plummeting hundreds of feet to their death. Now, I don't know how much validity or truth there is to that, but it's scary. And when I thought about this woman taking her life, I thought about those. Now, obviously, that time was full of chaos and carnage. Um, but this, I couldn't imagine being a person, being wherever, at seven-something yesterday morning, um, and having to witness that. Could be devastatingly scarring. All right, moving on. Alex will have a lot more on that uh, when we can catch up with her. So, remember all the stuff happening on 475 uh, in north and south between Central and Airport. Uh, widening, moving the north side to the south side to make those lanes bigger and all this other stuff. The Door Street Interchange, which may have happened even without uh, the golf tournament coming here last summer. Brace yourself. The same is about to begin on the Mommy Corridor of 475 North and South. I've seen this for quite some time. Uh, the story is in the Blade today from their uh, streets writer, the road writer, road warrior, David Patch. Um, I believe that they, a while, and this is going to begin in June of, I think June of this year. I might be wrong about that though. And I'm not going to give you all the twisty turny details. I'm just going to tell you, it's going to be a lot of the same road widening, moving south to north, north to south for periods of time. Um, I do remember at some point in the past, there was talk of adding another interchange between airport and Maumee and the hope between that and the door one would alleviate some of the congestion, even on the widened 475 North-South Corridor. Um, From skimming through that article, again, not to give you all the twisty-turn stuff, it appears that uh, uh, the 24 interchange to get on, to go up the trail or down the fall in Timbers and Waterville is going to see the brunt of this and cause the most headaches. There are often accidents there now and can be pretty um, white-knuckle-ish. When you're behind some some semis trying to go from 24 to 475 north or south and the merge there is tight. So just a heads up that that is coming. Um, I wanted Alex here so we could just sit and talk your ear off about how incredible uh, Cooper's Hawk was. We got to experience the... Uh, Another premiere night, there was some media stuff going on Thursday and Friday. We got to go out Saturday night, and I guess it's, I don't want to say that they're 
taking care of us, but obviously I can come here on the podcast and on the radio and social and talk about it. Uh, and it was an incredible experience. It blew away my expectations in what ways I'll get to in a couple of moments here. Um, but you get to go out there and the kitchen, the service staff get to go through a test run and they can correct any shortcomings and weaknesses. But from what I saw, there were none. So my biggest takeaways for the night um, were the food was delicious. Uh, we got pot stickers for an appetizer and it had like a, like an Asian flavored coleslaw. And it reminded me of, I do some, some Thai recipes with coleslaw and they're extremely good. These pot stickers and that coleslaw with whatever ginger soy sauce was incredible. I had a fantastic old fashioned, um, and they gave, they limited the menu, which make makes sense and kind of forced us into options, but all the options were good. I got some kind of breaded chicken thing. Delicious. Uh, our friend Maj got some surf and turf, uh, our friend Jade, who's going to be speaking at the Good Grief event, which has been moved from February until June. Jade got a flatbread and a salad, and it looked phenomenal. Alex got filet, and it is unlike any way I've ever seen filet served. Usually filet is, what, like four, six, eight ounces, and it's uh, it looks like a, a tuna can. This was flattened and smashed and when you get filet, like that's the star of the show. It's filet and maybe there's, it's on a big plate and there's a, you have a couple of sides, but you see a lot of plate. I didn't, I saw very little plate with this filet that Alex got and it was delicious. And to my surprise, so even though the whole meal was comped, um, and we'll get to the tip in a second because that's another topic I wanted to get into. Even though the whole meal was calm, they still give you the bill. Just, I guess, to make sure you can appropriately tip your servers. Brianna was our server, and she was informative, but not pushy, uh, attentive, but not coming over every 30 seconds so we could enjoy our meal. And the bill came over, and for four of us, it was like $207. I don't often post bills in any social setting or, or on any social or wherever, but the bill was like $207 for four people. And we had hearty dinners. We all had entrees. There were a couple of appetizers, um, a couple of drinks. No, all the drinks were on the bill. 207 bucks. I'll come to the tip in a second, but what stood out to me was Alex's filet, which I've already described as it's, it's up there as far as filets go. $37.99. I don't know if you can find a six ounce filet at a good restaurant anywhere in the city for less than 40 bucks in the area for less than 40 bucks. If you're getting four, like that size filet, it's like it's 40 and up. It's usually in the fifties. If you're at a, a restaurant, it's like a Cooper's Hawk, my old fashioned, which was really good. Um, premium cocktail, as Maj said, the wrapping of the orange slices and the orange peels was immaculate art, artistic and decorative. It was, uh, Eight twenty-five. I've heard that there's a new place downtown, um, one which I haven't been to yet, which offers cocktails like this, and their their drinks are like fourteen, fifteen dollars. This Cooper's Hawk Old Fashioned was eight twenty-five. Absolutely baffling. Um, so a couple of things I hope for moving forward with this place, and I still have more to share. One, the staff was incredible. I hope they can keep them all. I know being in the service industry right now is a big time challenge. Two, I hope the prices that we paid are what the general public pays. They open today, um, and I believe it's reservation only, though. So, um, 
one more thing. Uh, they did some wine tasting, and I have not, I've not enjoyed wine. Like, I have, ever since I switched over to, like, dark liquor, like whiskeys and stuff, I have completely lost my taste for wine. And I used to really enjoy red wines. It used to be a go-to for me. Um, I even had a really, I, I bought a red bottle of something, Merlot, whatever it was, Cab, from Mancy's Italian a couple of years ago to celebrate the morning show coming back. It was like $80, but I, I've loved cake bread. Tried it, didn't like it. Finished it, didn't like it. Um, they gave us some, uh, oh, they do a wine subscription if you'd like. And they also had some, some um, flyers telling us what kind of wines they offered. And I think Maj or Alex said they had, uh, they had a chocolate wine. It caught my eye. And Maj was like, I want to try the chocolate almond. So I'm ready to go and walk over to, so you walk in and it's a wine bar. And then in the back, there's two different sections, two restaurants. Uh, there's a restaurant bar. Yeah, and then the other side is all restaurant, and you see the kitchen. So uh, we get the uh, the uh, chocolate almond wine at the wine bar, and I'm like, wow, this thing has just reactivated my interest in wine. And for the first time since that cab, or whatever it was at Nancy's, two years, I bought a bottle of wine. And for 18 bucks, a deal. I also uh, got to connect some great people, two people who I had been on the hunt for there, Um, I think that's everything for Cooper's Hawk. Enjoy it. One last thing to go into a couple of final topics here. Um, like I said, I think they give you the bill so you have an idea of what you can, what you can tip. Um, we tipped $75 and that I hope all goes to Brianna, Brianna, who was again, an incredibly helpful, uh, server. And I hope that they are all treated and paid well by customers and Cooper's Hawk. Uh, so they'll all stay there because everybody that I ran into service for that night, and granted, it's opening night, you're on your best behavior. It was great. So we tipped $75. Always, if you ever get your meals comped or anything, please, like over tip. In fact, the other day, um, there's a writer that I follow, a sports writer, and he said, even if you're tipping 20%, you're not tipping enough. And I wholeheartedly have agreed with that. I, I'll run, I'll review my tipping stance with you now. I always do more than 20%. If it's great service, you're going to get more. You're going to get a lot more. If it's bad service, I hope me giving you more than 20% sparks something in your head and said, wow, that was super nice of that person to give me um, a nice tip when I was kind of having a crummy day. I hope you. I hope that sparks them into a better mood so they can help other people in a good way. So always uh, tip at least 20%. I did come across the, an article the other day that said, let me give you the headline. Tipping has soared during the pandemic. Now, however, as I read through this, the numbers are not as big as I expected as I reread the article. Immediately before the pandemic, people tipped on about 63% of in-person credit card transactions. By August of last year, they were tipping on about 66% of such payments. Not a huge jump. The average size, hold on, we'll skip that. Hold on, the percentage of remote transactions. The, uh, okay, since we're getting like a lot of delivery now, the percentage of remote, remote transactions in which we tipped has soared from 46% to 86% before and now during the pandemic. So maybe that's the big number, like when somebody's doing delivery, there's DoorDash or there's Uber. Um, are there any other numbers? 
Customers have gone out of their way to support drivers with the average tip increasing throughout the pandemic. So look, this is just one side of the story with some interesting data because every a, a lot of things that I read, um, some of that door dashing and whatnot is not that lucrative, but obviously that's just that's just anecdotal. And if it's simply more people are if we have doubled the amount of people tipping on electronic transactions, that seems good to me. There is another side, and we've never actually had this discussion. Tipping opponents have advocated for ending the practice, which is common in Europe, I believe, uh, ending the practice at restaurants and service destinations by raising prices to enable businesses to pay workers a fair and I'll say higher wage. But the trend hasn't extended beyond a couple uh, hundred restaurants, many which soon reverse their policies, New York restaurateur Danny Meyer, who famously ended tipping in his restaurants six years ago, announced two years ago that the no-tipping endeavor was over. Uh, restaurants that eliminate tipping, their online ratings go down, according to one analyst here. So something to consider. How would you feel about work, uh, to working and serving in a restaurant where the prices were higher, but you didn't have to, you could not tip? Interesting because our practice is so tip-centric here. Um, so I do want to ask you, and you can shoot me a DM or a tweet or however you want to get in touch. Are you tipping more people now? Has the amount of your tips gone up? Maybe it's gone down. Maybe you were like me and did 25 or 30%, but maybe now the fact that you are serving so many, uh, you're doing so many d- deliveries, and can you tip people that like get your groceries and whatnot? I mean, you're tip- you might be tipping more people, so maybe your tipping has gone down. So, give me tipping thoughts. One final thing. I said I wasn't going to talk any more Super Bowl, but this is just a memory of mine. Um, and I don't follow... I, I follow the NFL closely and sports closely. I just don't... I don't follow it, follow it as closely as when I did sports talk radio, nor when I watched all this stuff. But I follow the... the uh, I didn't go to sleep last night. I couldn't go to sleep till the Bengals game was over. And son of a bitch, they won. Um, the Bengals for the majority of my life have been bad. And, uh, I guess since Carson Palmer was there. So within the last 15 years, they've had some crappy years, but, and they've had some good years, not like Patriots or recent chiefs. Good, but good. They got into the playoffs and we just never win any playoff games. That's why they got rid of Andy Dalton, who was a pretty decent quarterback. Um, and they were no longer hapless as the Browns have been for so many years, even though the Browns have kind of ascended, to where the Bengals got to within that time period I just mentioned. Um, I'm excited. The, the Joe Barrow story is, is incredible because he put up probably the most prolific and definitely most historic college football season ever. And I think he was at Ohio State, but he transferred to LSU and he just had this one incredible season. And if you're a quarterback and has that in college, you rise up NFL draft boards and sometimes... You don't live up to those to the draft position or the expectations. My God. I mean, he looked good last year in 2020, um, even though he was getting hammered because he had a terrible offensive line. And then he tore his knee, so he didn't finish the season. But this year has been, I mean, there was a great uh, tweet last night. Joe Burr, B-R-R-R, isn't like, this dude has ice in his veins. And to go into Kansas City and beat Patrick Mahomes... The, the prohibitive favorite Chiefs, and now the Bengals, this is what I was getting at, are going to the Super Bowl for the first time in 33 years. Going to the Super Bowl to, the, to when my childhood gambling career began. So what was that, 1988? I was not, actually at that time I was eight. Um, I don't know who was in the, so 
that might be the first Super Bowl I can remember like wanting to watch and rooting and all this stuff. I don't know how much you know when you're six, seven, four, five years old. You just see colors and you like them. But at this point, like I knew Jerry Rice and Joe Montana and Boomer Esiason on that Bengals team and Icky Woods, the Icky Shuffle, who was in some commercials a couple of years ago. Like I knew these names and these players. And at the time, I had gotten a Nintendo. And uh, I think my dad used to let me pick games because in the newspaper on Sundays, they'd have the matchups and I'd circle the team that I would want to win. And he'd give me like 10 cents or a quarter for each game I picked right. And then the big bet came during the Super Bowl. Um, I don't know how the discussion happened, but my dad bet me a football, a, a Nintendo game, if I got it right. And I took the Bengals and he took the 49ers. And we bet a uh, football uh, a, a predecessor to Madden football it was called 10 yard fight on Nintendo. And, um, the 49ers, I obviously lost, but that's why the Bengals being in the Super Bowl brings back some strong memories. And I'm really excited that Matthew Stafford, having been through so much hell from the organization, being let down, terrible coaches, uh, underwhelming coaches, maybe not necessarily head coach, but staffs and whatnot in the city, at times getting on him. Some he deserved, some not, because he was just one tough, tough son of a bitch. I mean, he played with some incredibly painful injuries. So I'm happy to see the matchup with Stafford and the Bengals. And I do remember that 88 game because the Super, the, Super, uh, the 49ers were the juggernaut. They had won previous Super Bowls. Uh, Bill Walsh, Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, Legends, Roger Craig, John Taylor, Brett something on... A tight end, the defense, some escapes from that Ronnie Lott had some big time defensive players, but nothing like Montana, Rice, and Walsh. And I remember the 49ers dominated or were in control most of the game. And then some John Taylor touchdown, and it was either him or Jerry Rice in the back of the end zone. And at that point in that game, with a little bit of time left where the Bengals still had a chance, I saw that Nintendo game vanish. And my childhood gambling career began. I, the good thing was I didn't have to give my dad anything. He just said if I pick the team that wins and the Bengals win, who I picked, I get a Nintendo game. So thanks for listening to today's podcast. Like I said, you shouldn't really hear any differences here. Um, maybe a couple of on the air tomorrow, or at least recording. Mom, uh, Mommy City Council person, Margo Puffenberger. Uh, I told Alex, like we have not done a good enough job of getting other city leaders on outside of Toledo. Now, granted, Toledo is where all the drama is, so we talk about that. But I've always wanted to talk about some mommy things, especially the road diet. Um, and I used to see Scott Noonan, who is on Mommy City Council. I think he used to be a, I think he used to work for for the Hens as an usher, I think, or I've seen him downtown. And knowing that he's in a position where he gets to make some decisions, I should have reached out to him sooner. So we'll start the trek down uh, other municipalities uh, tomorrow with Margo. Although, you might not hear it until Wednesday. That's kind of some of the um, adjustments that I'm working on. Thank you for listening for today's... Oh, one final thing. Uh, so Neil Young pulled all stuff off Spotify. and Or uh, he said, take Joe Rogan off or censor him censure him or take my stuff off. Spotify was like, great, Neil Young took his stuff off. And I guess they lost a a lot in stock. And I saw last night, Joe Rogan had a pretty thoughtful statement. 
And I read the statement because you know me. Uh, I, I should try to hear the inflection, to hear the authenticity in something. You know, I don't like, I would much rather read than watch or listen. He said he was going to try to do better, to get differing opinions. His goal is not to spread, he doesn't desire to spread misinformation or anything like that. So it seemed respectful and thoughtful, and um, I appreciated that. And I'm certainly glad, because when I saw that Joe Rogan had made a statement, I'm like, oh shit, here we go. This is my First Amendment right. Well, no, it's not. Um, That stuff only is in play when the government is trying to shut you up. But uh, audiences, people with differing views than yours, advertisers, your boss, can tell you to zip it anytime they want. Um, Free speech is far more limited than you think it is. But this is not that. So we don't have to worry about it. I'm glad Joe Rogan, for all the differing opinions and perspectives he and I have, um, I... He is too smart to go, it is my First Amendment right and you cannot silence me. He's too smart to do that. He is a bright guy. I just wish he was more on our side than that side. So, uh, point being here, um, even though he's made the statement, if you, uh, I'm not going to tell you to listen to Spotify. I would just encourage you, uh, we, uh, if you search Eric Chase on any and all podcast platforms, even iHeart, tune in where I get a lot of my EDM podcasts or the Podbean app. We can just get the link. Um, if the Joe Rogan stuff and some of the other things bothers you, please get the podcast in other platforms, certainly uh, Apple Podcasts. And thank you for listening to today's episode.